traveling with, mate. Yeah, just like you said, mate, it's busy. Um, obviously, I've got my own gym and that, so I'm just running my own gym. And then I'm getting a few matches on top of that as well. I've got a few seminars and that, so... Have you got pretty... training this morning? Uh, this morning, I just ran a class this morning, mate, because I've been... Tra- well, I've trained all week, and Sunday I had a um, seminar at ASW Liverpool, and I ended up doing a lot of rounds with them lads as well, so... Yeah. I just talk Instagram. Yeah. yeah. How was the, the seminar? Was it good? Yeah, mate. It's, uh, I like ASW, mate. It doesn't matter which gym it is from where it's... Uh, they're all a very similar style to what I do myself. And yeah. Good bunch of lads, mate. Definitely. And uh, you was up the northwest the weekend before that as well, obviously for Grapplefest as well, wasn't you? Yeah, mate, yeah. So I was up for Grapplefest on uh, the 21st, I think it was, on May. Yeah. Um, I'm back next weekend as well because I'm, I'm doing like a catch wrestling tournament. On... Oh, of course, at the snake pit, yeah. I forgot about that, yeah. Yeah. Have you managed to read up on the rules? I heard an... In- Sorry, mate. Your, volume, your sound's gone off. Hello? Wait there, man. One sec, mate. Can you hear me again, mate? Yeah, mate, that's sound that. Yeah, cheers. Sorry about that, mate. No, it's all right. So, yeah, it's at the Snake Pit, isn't it? Snake Pit World Championships, catch wrestling. Yeah, mate, yeah. Like, yeah, I don't even know the rules, mate, yet. To be fair. <laughs> rules. But it's, uh, I think I'm just going to try and set people down and pin them. I think if two shoulders at the floor, it's a pin. Yeah, so, why not? Yeah, I mean, that, was what the, that was what the good thing was against uh, when you fought Michael Pixley at Grapplefest, that that was that gentleman's agreement that no one's going to pull guard. You're both just going to try and take each other down and... Yeah, it was some watch yeah. I think like the way it was that match was like promoted and that they just wanted a wrestling match, didn't they? So Yeah, of course, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I watched match. it. Um we normally we've been to the last few grapple fests and some of the lads from the gym, they were there in the booth. I think they were next to some of your lads, I think, in that middle booth. Right. Um, but I watched it at home. It's the first time I've watched it with commentary on, on Fight TV. And um when your match came on, even through the telly. Like the atmosphere in the in the nightclub in that fusion nightclub just like picked up. It was unbelievable. It was mad, mate. Yeah. It was fucking like I've never genuinely never fought in an atmosphere like that. It went mental. Yeah. Uh, like I've done that was the third grapple fest I've done. And um it's never been like that. It's just yeah. fucking mad, mate. I don't know what it is. <laughs> is that like the difference between that and like Polaris? Because Polaris is always like in a in a state uh, an arena type thing, in a yeah, they're like they're very like different events. I find it's like I don't really know which one I prefer either because Polaris is just like a huge show. Like you get really, really well looked after. Like you stay over in a nice hotel night before. Yeah. Um, the venue's always massive and like fucking real good venue. Like all your walkouts and everything's like everything's like you're in there like almost well you are you're doing like rehearsals before it starts and everything's just mad. It's a mad thing, Polaris. Yeah. But on the other hand, 
I kind of like the way Grapplefest just like you meet in a nightclub and yeah, it's typical like Northwest Liverpool thing. Yeah, it's yeah. <laughs> uh, for atmosphere, Grapplefest definitely wins all that. Yeah, I mean, I think there was at one point, obviously, there was a lot of um Pedigo submission guys who came up for this one, but the last one was promoted as um Daisy Fresh versus Europe, wasn't it? And when yeah. when you see like some of the pictures and all the corner, Keith Pedigo. Um, and all the superstars in their team, right next to the mat, next to normal folk, just having a beer in that. It is, it is a crazy atmosphere. Oh, it's class, mate. Yeah. It's, uh, it's what it's about, I think. I think yeah. it is what it should be about, really. It's just know where you go, good atmosphere, and everyone just getting stuck in and everyone enjoying it. I think you can go to an event like that, whether you even know the rules of grappling or not. And yeah. enjoy. Just enjoy the atmosphere and the good yeah. time, yeah. Definitely. Um, is there any word on? Because I think the next Grapple Fest is going to be October, I believe. I think Chris Thompson was saying that on the commentary. Have they started trying to match people up for that yet, or is it too early days yet? No, not yet. No, like Chris has told me to keep it free, so I'm presuming I'm going to be on it. Um, yeah. He's not told me who, but he said it'll be a. It should be a really big match this time. Yeah, I've just watched back um, your your match against what was his name, um, Gaya. I can't remember his first name. You know, for the ADCC trials, yeah, and he's. Yeah. He's competed on Grapplefest before, hasn't he? Yeah, mate. Seriously, that was like as tough as a picture match that. Yeah. If not tougher, it was absolutely solid. Like, yeah. He's genuinely a very, very legit wrestler. And a legit grappler as well. Like, yeah. He, and he's only young. Like, he will do really well. How old like, is he? I think he's only about. Someone mad like 22, 23. Joking. Jesus Christ. Young, and he's, he's a big lad. He's in good yeah. shape. Like, I was fighting 99, though, which shouldn't. It's not my weight that. Like, if yeah. I was going to be serious, then it's got to be 88. I'm only like 92 walking around. Yeah. But um, what was the reasoning for that then? You just, just thought I'm just going to go and do it and we walk around where, like, just... yeah, I'm just like, mate, I'm just like really busy and like, I don't know, I'm not, I keep saying it to people and they find it weird, but like, I'm not like prioritising competitive grappling. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like my gym's full on my priority. I just want to build a really strong gym and a really strong team, which we're doing a good job of at the moment. Mm-hmm. Like, because I've developed a decent team and I'm training, I train every morning, every night with them. I'm just one of them people where I'm like, if I'm training, I might as well just throw myself out there. Yeah. And it's, it's just been going well. Like, it could have easily not gone well and I'd have been still doing the same thing. But I just came to, I just seemed to keep getting some decent results and getting yeah. to ADCC. Obviously, I only had a lad seven months ago as well. So it was like, as well as running gym and training and like in between my training sessions that I'm coaching and teaching, I've, I've got a lad at home. Like, it's not like I can just come home and sleep through the day. Yeah, of course, yeah full-time athletes I've got my lads look after yeah. so I'm just like all of this that's going on and then for me to start cutting a bit of weight now I was like because I've cut weight so many times and it does change your mood it does change mm-hmm. your energy through the day yeah like I can't afford to I'm not in a position anymore where I can just come home from training and be like right fuck everything off got bed see you later yeah got yeah. too much going on so I thought I'll just go to 92 and the rules kind of suit me anyway, and I'll just see how it goes. And yeah, yeah all right. It was amazing that that silver medal in it was your first ADCC trials as well, wasn't it? Yeah, 
Yeah. Like that was a mad thing as well because I was genuinely learning the rules there on the job. <laughs> I had my first match. Like all I went out saying to myself was if you can wrestle everyone and stay on top, you're not going to be far off come the end. Yeah. Um, so the first match I just went out and I had that absolutely fucking mental match with Gaia. That was my first round. Yeah, Jesus. <laughs> and then I came off that and then I remember I took, um, I had a massive Norwegian lad in the second round. He was about six. He was about, yeah, yeah, seven foot, wasn't he? Yeah. <laughs> and I took him down, but then I, like, I remember just thinking to myself, fuck, I shouldn't have done that because now like, it's not points in the first half. So it's like, mm. I've basically given him a free guard pull. So I started working the rules out as I was going. In real time. <laughs> yeah, it's just weird, mate. But it was a good day, like. It's an yeah. Hour. What was funny, though, is, is some of the stick you were getting, like the silver medal you got and all them Instagram keyboard warriors giving you shit. Oh, but, mate. Like, some of the like, replies was funny, though. <laughs> it's just fucking... I don't understand some people, mate, honestly. Uh-huh. I am literally not doing anything special at all. I'm, like, trying to help everyone I can if... <laughs> Anyone can come to me and train for free. I don't really give a fuck. I'm doing seminars trying to help people. Like, I'm proper out what stuff I use and yeah. literally don't hide anything. And there's genuinely just so many people sat there just waiting for you to lose. I know. I know. What the fuck <laughs> is wrong with you, man? Like, it's so weird. Crazy. People, um, so the Northwest... I only realised like a few months ago, I think it was one of the, the first times we'd seen you on Grapple Fest and the announcer obviously says like, Owen Livesey from St. Helens. I didn't realise you were originally from St. Helens. Yeah, like I was born in Wigan, so I was born in Billinge. Really? Right. Oh, it's not there anymore, is it? No. But I was born in Billinge Hospital and I lived in St. Helens like from day one. Right. Until um, I was about 15, 16. And then I left St. Helens for Dartford in Kent to train full time yeah and then after about two years full time I moved back to St. Helens for about a year and then I moved to Camberley for full time judo which is in Surrey and I stayed there for a good good amount of time then I was training judo full time I was training jiu-jitsu with Carlson Gracie team at the same time Um, and then I ended up moving over to Old for a job when I'd finished judo and then I ended up opening my own gym and then it got really yeah, full and now that's full time. So, did you know as a fifteen-year-old, um, the dream was to like pursue Olympic Olympic judo? Was that the dream at fifteen? Yeah, I want like I was playing rugby as well up until I left home. So, like, yeah. I'd play rugby, I'd do judo, I was doing wrestling, I was doing Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Um, I was really lucky, like my judo club at the time. There's not many judo clubs who give give what we had, like, we were doing judo Monday, Wednesday, Friday. We are doing freestyle wrestling Tuesday, Thursday, and we are doing Brazilian jiu-jitsu on a Sunday. Yeah. yeah, more or less had the best of every world from, like, nine years old. So, <laughs> did that till I was about 15. Where was that? Where was where was you training then, Sonny? SKK in Earlstown. Earlstown. Still learn now, mate. Like, yeah. they've developed some ridiculous results. For a small club in Earlstown, like, they've got a lot of European world medals. They've got an Olympian in that gym. It's just, yeah. and hardly anyone knows about it, but they do do everything right. They do a lot of traveling. They use technical yeah. all the time. So I was there till about 15. Um, 
And that was just like, I was just enjoying it then. Um, and then I moved away, I went to Dartford. And I've been full-time at Dartford for a little bit. And it just got super serious because when I left, it was like a couple of years later was the London 2012 Olympic Games. Right. Um, and when the Olympics is in a home country, so when it's in your country, you don't have to qualify. So All right. like for me to qualify for an Olympic Games now, I'd have to be within the top 18 best judo players in the world. Mm-hmm. And judo worldwide is absolutely enormous. You've got like some of your top countries in judo, like Mongolia, Tajikistan, Kazakhstan, Turkmenistan, where they hardly even do any other sports. Right. So the top 18 in the world for judo is a massive achievement. Um, but when it's in your country, you your place automatically gets qualified, so you only have to be the number one in Great Britain to go. Right. Um, so when I moved to Dartford, obviously I was really young, but there was nobody in my weight that was taking like massive results. So they started like pushing the idea that they might take some of us for experience. So I was all when I was a young lad, I was like, "Fucking hell!" Like, I've I've got a sniff here of going to an Olympic Games. Yeah. So it got really serious, but I don't think I was actually well. I wasn't. I wasn't ready for it to be that serious. Like I'd gone from doing a bit of judo, a bit of wrestling, a bit of jujitsu, a bit yeah. of to like judo twice a day, six days a week, strength conditioning on the side, traveling all over the place, like which was good for my skill development, but. It was like, fuck me, don't even think about going out. So like you just yeah. had, you had zero life. Um and then I didn't get pushed to the games. Um a lad got a World Cup medal, so rightly he went. He ended up being yeah. a partner. Uh, further down and Danny Williams. We he won the Commonwealth Games as well. Mm-hmm. Um, at a different weight. So he ended up going rightly so. And then I moved back home to St. Ellen's. I was a bit like, it got a bit too much. It was really like school. Like you'd, you'd come in, you had to fill in health questionnaires every morning. Like it was like nutrition workshops. It wasn't just training. So I was like, yeah. me, moved home. I had about a year playing rugby with my mates again. And then I seen a advertisement for Commonwealth Games, Glasgow, 2014. So I thought, I'll have a crack. And then I moved back down south, but I went to Camberley, which Camberley's like, a, at the time, was by far the best full-time centre. Yeah. It wasn't recognised as a performance centre, so it wasn't like like school. It was like you were living with your mates, you were having a laugh, but everyone just trained like fucking. <laughs> we got a lot of success. But the Olympic Games, it was like, that was my big aim from the start, yeah. Yeah. So can you can you talk us through kind of, what it takes mentally and physically to to build up to an Olympic Games. It's because I've got no like frame of reference whatsoever for to relate to anyone training for the Olympics or anything like that. It's mate, it's like unbelievably hard. It's like, and I can't speak for all sports because I don't mm-hmm. I don't know what the sport entails in terms of qualification. And everything. Yeah, but judo's like, like when people say to me now. 
when like I have an interview after I've won a match in grappling and I'm like, it slips out. I always slip it and say like, I'm not bothered. And when I say I'm not bothered, it's not like, I don't know if it comes across wrong. It's not like I'm not bothered about winning. Obviously, like, yeah. when I'm out, I'm 100% going out to win. But it's just not the pressure that I've felt from judo. It's like massively enjoyable now, whereas judo, it was just mental, mate. It was like sleepless nights over like competition and stuff. It was yeah. just, it's like a, an Olympic cycle is like two and a half years long. Um, and an Olympic cycle consists of you like competing in tournaments from World Cups to Grand Prix to Grand Slams, European Championships, World Championships. And basically all these tournaments have a different amount of points for a gold, silver and bronze medal. So a World Cup would be your lowest level out of that bunch. Right. It's still a very high level medal if you get a World Cup medal, but it's just a bit lower than a Grand Prix and a bit lower than a Grand Slam in terms of points. So, for example, if you won a World Cup, you might get 80 points for gold, 60 points for silver, 40 points for bronze. Um, if you won a Grand Slam, you might get 200 points for gold, 160 for silver, 120 for bronze. That's That won't be right, but it'll be, it's, it's along that yeah. line. Um, that's how it works. So... Basically, every time you get a medal, your points go next to your name on the world ranking list. And you've got to be top 18 within that world ranking list to qualify for the Olympic Games. Mm -hmm. It gets even harder as in they only use your best five results. So say I got 10 World Cup medals, only the best five would count. All right. So... It's like, basically, I, I was fighting probably every two weeks at some point. Um, I'm cutting weight every time. So I used to walk around about 88, 89 and fight at 81. Yeah. Um, so it'd literally be a case of cutting weight for two weeks, eating, having a good night that night, getting straight back on the diet the day after, fighting again two weeks for two and a half years. Jesus. And then you might not get in at the end like yeah. I did. And you're constantly looking. You're constantly yeah. looking at how other people are doing as well. Then in the rankings. That's like the that. thing. So like when I fell out of qualification, basically it was like I'd been in genuinely been in qualification all the way through because this was for Rio 2016. This one. Mm -hmm. So like my best by far year of judo was 2015. I don't know what clicked, which like someone just clicked. Like I'd won the Commonwealth yeah. in 2014. Um, I don't know if that had helped with confidence or whatever, but in 2015, like I have beat Ivan Nikontov from Russia, who was an Olympic bronze medalist at the time and current world champion. I threw him for a pawn in Chile um, in the semi final. I beat Attila Ungvari in the final by a pawn as well, which like I'm <laughs> score. So I was like, I was beating some really, really high-level people. Yeah. Um, and I was in qualification absolutely all the way through. And then there was like three tournaments left. And basically there was a Brazilian lad that had failed a drugs test for Brazil. He um, wasn't allowed to fight for Brazil anymore. But somehow he was fighting for Lebanon. Yeah. <laughs> and, he was, and he was shit up. 
as you probably would be if you were fucking rammed full of tech. <laughs> yeah. Um, so he starts storming through underneath me, and I'm like, I can see him coming, like he's winning medals everywhere, and I'm thinking, fucking hell. Like, and it gets to the point then where you're just waiting for the end. You know what I mean? When you're in the qualification and it's tight, you're like, fuck me, I won't be bothered if these next three tournaments got cancelled. Yeah. You just want to get there. Like you've, you've been grafting for a long time. Um, I went to the, what was it? I think it was the Tunisian Grand Prix and I went out first round and this Lebanon lad pulled a medal. Um, so it knocked me out of qualification for the first time. But when you come out of qualification, there's a continental quarter. So the way the continental quarter works is for men, there's one, and for women, there's one. And there'll be one for Europe, for each man and each woman. So the way it works is everyone that's not in qualification, the person who is outside of qualification but has the most points out of any weight will still go. So... There was a lad on my team called Ben Fletcher who was fighting at under 100 kilos um, who had the quarter. But it worked out that there was a German lad in his weight, no, a Hungarian lad in his weight. And basically this Hungarian had to pull an outrageous result at the very last tournament of qualification, which was the Kazakhstan Grand Prix. Yeah. So we were sat in the crowd in Kazakhstan and I've genuinely looked at this list and I'm like, lads, I'm absolutely fine here. Like, I've got the quarter. I'm, I've qualified. I was like, this Hungarian, his name's Serginax. He's got a beat. There was like Fonseca, who's now current world champion in Portugal. Uh, he had Carl Richard Frey, who's a German lad, who was like phenomenal. I think he was a world medalist at the time. Mm-hmm. He had a Kazakhstani lad who was very good first round and it was in Kazakhstan. So I'm looking at this draw and I'm like, we're fucking sweet here, we're done. And he comes out and he just fucking absolutely went through this Kazakhstan lad. I was like, he looked pretty good though. I was like, wasn't even worried because I was like, he's no way he's beating all of them on the same day. Yeah. He went all the way through and got gold. Jesus. Just like, fucking hell. So he... (laughs) Basically knocked me out, and that was the first. That was the last tone done. Yeah. So I'd literally been in it from. I've been in it for about two, two and a quarter years. Fell out literally at the last tournament, so it was like as bad as it could get to before. Is there anything in place like at these performance centres to help with like the, the mental side of it and the, the pressure that people are under, and especially at such a young age as well? Like, not at all, mate. It's it's no. like a lot. A lot got pushed around about it late recently. Um, I don't know how much has come from it, but there was absolutely nothing. Like yeah. when I fell out of qualification, there I was like pretty fucked to be fair. Like I moved back home. Um, I ended up just doing some like personal training because I didn't know what else to do. Um, I didn't want to train anymore. Mm-hmm. Literally, I ended up getting a little box flat, which cost me three hundred quid a month. Yeah, I'd just work, get through work Monday to Friday, and then I'd just be pissed every Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Yeah. Horrendous 18 months. <laughs> and I never heard from British Judo once. Like, 
which is bad, really, because yeah. if it had stayed in qualification in that last tournament, then you'd have heard from them non-stop. <laughs> but, like, so, yeah, they, they basically just want you, when you're doing something that promotes them, really. Yeah, and then I suppose once you're out, they're just looking at the next up-and-coming who you can get. Exactly. Yeah. That's it. Um, and that's I how do I- a lot. Yeah, I do a lot of work in, um, over in league with, with veterans, um, so lads who have left the military and that. And one of the things that we see is a massive parallel between like lads who are leaving professional sports compared to lads who are leaving the military or, or women who are leaving the military as well. And there's massive yeah. parallels in kind of the loss of identity, the, um, not knowing where they're going to go in life, the pathway they're taking. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's massive using the parallels between sports and, and the military as well. What was the turning point for you then? I know you, you started your own club because you just wanted somewhere to train, but what was, was there a turning point that got you back on the... It was like... So I was doing, I did that for 18 months and then it got that bad that I was like, I can't keep doing this. Like, it's actually really bad. Like, I, was, I ended up earning decent money at some point because mm-hmm. I had quite a lot of clients. And, mate, I wasn't even qualified. I was just fucking like... <laughs> coming in I was just like a counsellor I was just talking shit with people yeah doing a bit of training with them and like I was earning money but I was literally just spending it all in three days on a weekend yeah um, I was feeling horrendous I, was not, I wasn't training at all I was like I just can't keep living like this and I didn't know what else to do and I've got no qualifications so I moved back to Camberley which was like purely out of desperation I was like mm-hmm. I'll try and go for Tokyo 2020 but it was never going to happen because I completely went back for the wrong reasons. Yeah. So I went back and I ended up doing all right. I got some World Cup medals. I was back in like the Olympic circuit again. I was traveling around with the Cambly lads. Um, but then I got about six months in and I was like, I don't even want to do this. And like, I was looking in front of me knowing the two and a half years that I've got in front of me and how hard it actually is. And I was like, if your head's not in that, it's just, it's going to be a waste of two and a half years. Yeah. Um, so I quit there and then, but then I stayed down south. I just thought I can't go back home. It was like, I had good mates back home, but I had mates that if I bumped into, I'd be fucking drinking again. And I was just like, yeah, you'd be out for three days. Yeah. <laughs> so I stayed down south and I ended up training a little bit of MMA at London Shoot Fighters. Um, which is a bit ridiculous. I had like two grand in my account off a sponsor and I was like, fuck it, I'll, I'll just fight because I don't know what else to do. So I was, I was going to shoot fighters and I was training in the morning. It was like 40 minutes from where I was living. I'd sit in a Costa for like four or five hours through the day and then I'd train in an evening and then drive back. Um, I did that for about eight months and then my two grand ran out. Um, <laughs> It hit zero, and I thought, what the fuck am I doing? Like, yeah. I'm not, I never even had an income. I'd just, like, rid on this two grand that I had <laughs> six months, eight months, and it ran out, and I was like, what am I doing? Like, and now I need to, like, sort myself out. So I started teaching judo in a school because literally didn't know what else I could do. So I got a job with a company called Inkai, teaching judo in schools, um, which was an horrendous job. Nothing like the description I got. It was like, I'd be out the house at half five in the morning and I'd get back at like 10 p.m. and be like, peanuts. So I knew when I was doing that, I can't do this forever. 
But again, I had no idea what to do. And then I was just lucky, mate. Like I did a wrestling session with Warrington Wolves mm. about four years before all this. And basically someone at Warrington Wolves knew someone at Hull KR. And then someone at Hull KR rang me up and asked me if I wanted to be a wrestling coach for Hull KR. So I was like, well, I'd fucking love to. Yeah, so they were like, right, appreciate yeah. two months. Do you mind moving over? So I was like, of course not. So I moved straight to Hull. Jumped in a house here in Hull. Um, I did about a year and a half with them. But about a year in, I opened my own place, but only for training reasons. Like when I opened my own gym, it was initially two nights a week. Because mm-hmm. there was no, I tried a couple of gyms in all and it was just not not much going on. So I opened my own place and it was literally Tuesday night was gi sparring. Thursday night was no gi sparring and that was it. It was no technique. Yeah. Just for my own selfish reasons, I just wanted to train. Um, but the sessions ended up getting packed. And I was like, oh, would you lads be interested in doing some technique as well? They were like, yeah. So I put an extra technique session on. So we trained Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. They got rammed. So then I found an old community center, which cost me 500 quid a month. Yeah. I put a session on every night there. So I was working full time with KR and I was training and teaching every night. Um, And then that just got fucking packed out. And then we ended up moving full time and I ended up quitting KR because I wanted to do this instead. Yeah. None of it was planned, mate, basically. It's just... <laughs> <laughs> mad. And do the old KR style lads still come across and do sessions with you at your, at your place where you are now? We have all FC now, so I'm a bit oh, of a traitor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm a bit of a traitor. So I'll go to my place once a week now. There's a bit of rivalry between all FC and all KR, isn't there? It's fucking yeah, it's big, it's, it's scary. Yeah. That. Yeah, it's like Saints and Wigan. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I went to um, so the the reason why I couldn't go grapple fest the last time was because I went to Lakes Camp. I know you've you've done a Lakes Camp before, haven't you? You've you've hosted yeah. a camp up there, and it was with um, Steve Golthorpe and Ben Poppleton. Yeah. Um, so we we managed to look at some of the arm crushes and the turnovers and the arm lock game of Steve Golthorpe, and he went round and demonstrated on a, a few people some of the stuff and like. When I was telling the lads in the gym about it, the only word I had to describe it was it was brutal. The whole fucking every technique he did hurt and it, it was horrible. Yeah, it um so from your experience, what what is the difference in like the ground game for like judo in terms of technique? Is it pressure? Is it application compared to jujitsu? Why why did he feel so horrible when other people it's just like Judo groundwork's absolutely brutal because it's the transitions are much shorter, so everything can be harder. So, like, say I take someone down or say someone pulls guard, there's, like, unlimited time on the floor or, obviously, if you're in a time limit match, whatever, that contest can all be spent on the floor. So there can be, like, much slower approaches to your groundwork whereas in judo it's like if if we were against each other judo and you landed on the floor if i'm not diving on something and hunting it hard the ref just stops us and stands us up right so like judo transitions like a typical judo transition would be like 
I have sleeve lapel on you, I chop you to the floor, you land in a turtle, and I dive in and go for a bow and arrow choke. Um, but everything's got to be 100% because if I look 1% like I'm just trying to run the clock down, um, they'll just stand yeah. us back up, back on feet. Um, so everything, I think everything's just going to be attacked with more intensity with judo. It's like, with jiu-jitsu, where if I like if I get a mount on someone in jiu-jitsu, I kind of like riding out in that position a little bit, fucking yeah. make it really uncomfortable, and a submission come off the back of that. Mm-hmm. But if in judo or not mounts, it'd be an old down. But if I was in a position in judo and I was riding it out like that, they just have to stand you back up. Yeah, you do's got to be with more aggression and more intent. Yeah. You kind of summed that up. He, we were in a position like a kind of a quarter, quarter mount, and he was explicit. Steve Gothop and Ben Hobson were explaining like that. Generally speaking, people would be looking to maybe like seat belts and then roll and take the back. And Steve Gothop was just like, "Why are you going around the fucking houses? The arms there. Take the arm. Just rip it off." <laughs> he just went straight to the arm lock, and it, it, it was people were like tapping before he even extended their arm out. Yeah, the thing is, though, man. Like with Steve though as well, it's like it's like everything's a fucking edge, mate. <laughs> yeah. Literally though, it's like he could do something on you and it'll feel horrendous. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. I can do the same thing on you and it won't feel that bad. Mm. Like I don't know what it is. It's like he's it's like built for it. Made yeah. for attacking arms. Like yeah. You put an arm through and his forearm feels like it's cutting through your bicep. It's like, That's what it was like, yeah. Without even trying. <laughs> he is an horrible bloke, to be fair. Yeah. <laughs> he came across and did, um, what was it What was it called? Eckersley Hold. Yeah. He came and was doing that to people, like, because a few people weren't maybe getting it correct, putting someone on the side and that, and he came over and did it to me, like, and it was just fucking horrendous pressure. Sat on yeah. my ribs and then my arm. I just wanted to give him my arm for the, for the pressure and that. Yeah, there's a couple, mate. There's a couple of things with judo that's really good crossover to jujitsu because it's like an Eckersley hold. That it's a hold down in judo. Yeah, like that's how much pressure you get in because, like, in judo, if I get an Eckersley hold down on someone, if I hold them there for twenty seconds, I've won. Right. But you've got to think you're going to have like an international level competitor underneath you. You've got an Eckersley hold, and he's going absolutely ape shit to get out, and you can manage to control him with that. So then, if you can transfer that to jujitsu and have the same control, yeah, it's a nice little. Uh... Doing is trying to attack an armbar on the end. It's like the same of a scaffold as well. Yeah, scaffold. Like a lot of people in jujitsu say, "Oh, don't do a scaffold; you'll get your back took." But if you do that right, you you're not getting your back took like that. Is... <laughs> a high level hold down in judo where it gets used at the highest levels and yeah once no one's slipping out and taking you back there because it gets done it's like so uh, if it's like anything and if it's not done right then it's yeah it counts with yeah it was good watching that that um gaya match back from the adcc trials because a lot of the stuff in there is the stuff that you're showing on your instructionals and in it you went for the uh coach ankle pick a few times obviously the body locks there Dichimata was there as well. And it's just stuff that you're showing on your instructionals, isn't it? Done at like yeah. the, the elite level. Yeah. Yeah, like it's gonna genuinely bite me in the ass soon because I do actually just show everything. 
<laughs> I do. Like, I yeah. genuinely show what I use. Um, like, and nothing that I use is, like, it's technical, but it's not, it's not got many steps involved of anything. Like, yeah. genuinely, everything I do, stand up or ground, is, it is relatively simple. Like, I've done it a long time, so I know, I know I've got a really good feel for it as well. Like, there was a few, there's a few times in that Gaia match when I've watched back where he has me off my feet completely and I land on my feet and end up taking him down. And that's genuinely like, I don't actually think you can practice that. That's like... That's because you've been there a million times. and that, Yeah, that's just yeah. like someone's took me off my feet so my last resort is to turn in and use my hips. Yeah. I think you've just got to get thrown a million times to actually be able to feel that. But in terms of the actual techniques that I use, like I've said this to a few people, like when I do my own builds, I literally do what I teach the beginners. Like, it isn't, I don't do any different. Like, yeah. I teach the beginners class, and then I'll do the same drills, but I just do it a little bit better than the beginners are doing it at the moment. Yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> I've probably got the most boring, simple game. <laughs> I remember um, going going back to rugby, like, I remember our old rugby instructor, like, used to set of people, like, comparing... Like amateur to professional, he was like, it's just basic rugby, but done at speed. It's like a similar thing, yeah. yeah. It really is, mate. It's like, I think there's so many people, like, they miss out so important things because they want to do something that they've seen that looks really good. Yeah. It's like, that person who's managed to pull that off, I can guarantee that they're so, so, so good at the basics before they've gone and done that. At the moment, it's like there's a lot of people just doing the stuff that looks good rather than like I fight people and like some of the people they've 100% got better jujitsu than me, but I can just like shut it down with basics and just put them in a position where they feel like shit. Yeah. And then that stuff doesn't work anymore a little bit. Like, yeah, I get you. And I'm just doing it with the most basic things, really. Like, mm-hmm. I'd openly say, like, the positions I work from, the side mount, back headlock, side smash, attacking turtle, body lock pass. That's literally all I'm going to try and do on someone. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it seems, seems to do all right. But it's like it's everything, it's the, the whole package, like, with the pressure and everything, because you've learned just from years and years and years of doing it, where to apply that pressure and make people suffer from the bottom. And a lot of people it don't like <laughs> Yeah, and that, that's why we do a lot of sparring in our gym. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, drilling can only, like, get you so so far a little bit. It's like, I think people spend loads of time drilling. And it's like, obviously, that's really good. It's going to improve your technique. Yeah. But if you're not doing it against resistance, it's like, it's a whole different ball game. Does that include positional stuff as well? Then, like you'll you'll start off yeah. in the bottom side or top top mount or yeah. whatever. Yeah, like so like this morning with the lads, we did body lock passing, um, and from the body lock pass, we ended up falling into half guard, close guard, and side smash. So then the eight o'clock session was just an hour of situational stuff, where we did fifteen minutes situational, 
from a body lock pass against Butterfly Oaks. Second block was a body lock pass in the half guard, situational sparring. Third round was the close guard and the fourth round was side smash. So it's like we'll practice positions, but then spar that position. Yeah. And then I do like doing inspiring though as well so like on a Monday night we like push the intensity and do like five minute rounds but everyone's got to go as hard as they can um, on a Wednesday night we'll literally just do one hour where if you're recreational it doesn't really apply but if you compete then I don't really let them rest for one hour like you just roll with someone that round could be three minutes or it could be 15 minutes Yeah, I'll just shout change randomly and they just grab someone next to them and go again. I really like that one because we've got a lot, a lot of big, strong lads in our gym who can 100% get away with shit technique in a five-minute round yeah. because they're so powerful and explosive. Yeah, when it's one hour straight, they get 20 minutes in and the strength's gone. <laughs> they find out where they're lacking. Yeah. Uh, so we do that every Wednesday. We do that every Friday lunchtime. I think it's really interesting how you you you, you do KT classes. You correct me if I'm wrong, but you'll have like some like obviously the the mad sparring days. But then when you do a technical session, is that just you practicing the, the moves? You're not necessarily sparring in that class to give people like a, a rest a little bit. Yeah, like we try and do like high and low days a little bit. Mm-hmm. I run it like high and low days. So if it's an high day, like a Monday is a high day. We go really hard. So, like, a Monday will be, like, situational sparring in the morning and then really hard rounds. Yeah. But then Tuesday's really light. So then on a Tuesday, it's literally just some wrestling drills in the morning um, and the no gi drills, no sparring in the evening. Uh, but then Wednesday's really hard again, so it's one-hour continuous. Thursday's, like... Not much sparring, but quite intense drilling. So it's not an easy night, but in terms of impact on your body, it's not very high. Yeah. Um, Friday's an hard day. So Friday's like midday rolling if people can get in. And then that's not a gi. And then evening sparring gi. Saturday morning's really hard. And then you have Saturday night, Sunday off. Yeah. How did you come up with that system then? Is that something you've got like maybe from judo or has it been a bit of trial and error? It's from judo, mate. So I've kind of tried to run it how Campbell run it where I lived, basically. Um, yeah. We'd do Brazilian jiu-jitsu on a Monday night, which would be pretty technical. And then we'd do judo sparring, which is really hard on a Tuesday night. And then we'd have a really hard Wednesday morning. Mm-hmm. Wednesday night, we'd have it completely off. Thursday morning was super steady. Thursday night was hard. Then Friday, Saturday, Sunday was super light. Yeah. So it's always been the way I've trained. Like when it's time to go, it's like 100%. For competitors, like recreational, they can do a round and sit out for five if they want. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for me personally, it's like if you say, I want to compete, then I feel like you kind of got to train a certain way. Yeah. Yeah. I like the, um, I think you've said it a few times in interviews, post, post matches and stuff, is that you're not necessarily bothered if you lose because you know you've put the work in. So I think like as long as you know you, you're putting that work in, then it doesn't matter if, you, if you're losing or what. But if you're not putting that work in, then you've only got yourself to kind of 
to blame on you. That's like, man, that, like that's what I say to everyone at the gym. I'm just like, on like and on art. If if they train hard and they prep for a match, a grappling match or a fighting MMA or whatever, if they lose, it I know they'll be pissed off, but it's absolutely fine because like you can work with that. Like if someone actually takes preparation serious and they train really hard and, they, and that's asked of them and then they lose that's just part of the sport and like when you know you've got someone and they're going to train hard and they're going to prep right I feel like you can do a lot with that person yeah Whereas I just can't even handle people anymore mate. I've got to the point where if people are like don't turn up training and then they lose and they're like what the fuck I'm just like mate just don't. You're not even trained. Yeah. I've, got, I've got nothing to say to people like that anymore, mate. It's like <laughs> competing, train like you're competing, or just don't compete. Like no one's forcing you to compete. Yeah. Oh, that makes sense. We've been going through um, basically our our stand up syllabus, if you like, is basically a combination of your instructionals and Cam's instructionals from ASW Manchester. Oh, I feel like that's a if you're gonna. If you're gonna like um, use anybody as a as a template to to use the stand up, you and Cam are probably the best two examples you, you can give, really. And it, and it's funny because I think I messaged you this the other day. Like I, I put an incentive out there: if anyone caught a fireman's in a live roll, then I give them a tenner. And it, it's funny just watching because I'm guilty of it as well. I just discussed this with a, with a mate before. I don't commit hundred percent, so if I'm trying to go for something, I'm a bit hesitant. You know what I mean? I'm yeah. not all in trying to go for something. But with a little bit of skin in the game and a bit of an incentive, people are more inclined to to go for it, maybe fuck it up. But if they do it, they'll get a tenner. And yeah, someone, someone got on the other day, like it was cool. Yeah. You'll have to be careful, mate. It'll end up costing you a fucking bomb. <laughs> I know. It's only one a month. One, one tenner <laughs> a month, yeah. You only do it once oh, a month. That's all right, yeah. <laughs> no, I think that's the key, though, with stand-up as well, is like... You actually can't hesitate, so that's like a really good idea. Um, because with a stand-up, I think you can't. You've got to try and encourage like commitments as much as you can. Because if, sorry, Owen, I think I've uh, I think I've froze. Just hang on a minute. I think me. Yeah, no worries, mate. Oh, it's all right. I'm here. Yeah, I think um, with a stand-up, yeah, like we used to do loads of rounds with the judo. Where it'd be super short. Yeah, like, one minute round, but like. The only goal is to get the first score. Yeah. You just had to like fully engage. Mm-hmm. Which I think is like again why like when my stand up with grappling at the moment's going all right. Because I think it's just coming like obviously I've like built on my own stuff in Nogi, but it's all come from work that I've done years ago, I think, because in like yeah training that forces you into engage is like it's the small things in that like I know if I nine times out of ten if I'm grappling against someone and he, he actually does stand and we f- I fully engage with that person by engage I mean like try and connect me hips yeah the reactions you get off that are absolutely massive right. like a lot of people when they say stand up I find it's quite natural for everyone to go collar ties, 50-50 collar ties, bent over. Yeah. And that's stand up because they're on the feet where it's like, I promise you, if you get two simple takedowns, 
and you practice them two simple takedowns off the back of reactions that you'll get when you engage, mm-hmm. it's them all the time. Like half right. of my body lock stuff comes from when I literally just walk at someone. When I walk at them, I've got my elbows sort like I'm anticipating a shot. Yeah. But I walk at them, go double under ups, try and connect my hands. And I'll never be able to connect my hands because they put their hips back. But when they put their hips back, I can get snap downs. And when I snap, if they fight the hands and posture up, I can get double legs. Or sometimes, like when I was at Grapple Fest, not picks like the one before. I just did the same then. I walked, I went for a body lock and he actually fully turned away from me. Right. You just get mad reactions from putting a bit of pressure on and then that's yeah. when I got Uber and Andy or the suplex, whatever it was. Yeah. But, is yeah, that like was... consistent pressure then, isn't it? Making yeah. other people make mistakes, yeah. yeah. So really, uh, so that's a great idea, like putting some money on it because people go fucking wild. Yeah, it? it's funny, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Another thing we've um, started to get the hang of a little bit more, and that is is maintaining that, being a bit more relaxed. I know you emphasise being relaxed yeah. in that clinch and not fucking being mad tensed up on that like. Yeah, it's key, mate, because it's like if I'm if I'm locked in with someone, whether we're gi or no gi, gi pro- I'd probably say gi is even more important. It's like every time you move, I feel it first through your wrists. Yeah. Like, say you took a collar tie on me and an outside bicep tie and they were both super heavy, and then I asked you to shoot a double leg, you would 100% have to relax before you change position. Yeah. You relax. Anyone who's experienced, if you've got a collar tie and an outside tie on me, you're super heavy and then you relax. I'm just going to step away. Because I know you're going to attack. Yeah. So it's like... The more you can like emphasize being relaxed in your upper body, I'm like mixing up. Like we did a drill at ASW yesterday, where it's like you want to attack like different things. I think like in grappling, lots of people just default collar ties straight away, just like collar ties, collar ties. Every exchange is collar ties. Yeah. But then if you're against Michael Pixler, who is like unbelievable in the collar tie. You're gonna fucking get thrown. <laughs> hey, so good at like club snap or slide bys. Yeah. Like she don't go in a collar tie with that bloke. So it's like that's when like you can touch the head, you can go collar ties, you can touch the shoulder, you can go wrist control. So I do a lot with wrist control stuff. Where if you're really good in the collar tie, but every time we come out, I grab one of your wrists. You can't collar tie me. I get it. Yeah. You're going to have to rip your wrist away. When you rip your wrist away, then that'll pull me into a single leg and I can link your single leg to a body lock. And right, I get you, yeah. That, and then you're attacking everything, so... Yeah. Yeah, just mixing mm-hmm. it up. Yeah. But you can only that, do that if you're relaxed. Yeah, of course, yeah. But something we're getting better at, and it's testament to the instructionals that you're putting out, mate, because yeah. everyone's, everyone's loving going through them and that like and practicing the techniques and that and we're looking forward to having you down in June as well so is that some of the stuff you'll be covering at the, the seminar yeah mate 100% it's um yeah I'll just be I'll be showing some some base like I'll definitely do the wrist lock stuff because I've not actually put that on any instructionals like yeah. 
if I came down and just did the body lock stuff, then I'll do some of the body lock stuff, but I think some of you lads would have seen some of it. Yeah. Already. Um, so what I'd like to do is like add little things like the wrist control that ties into the stuff they might have seen from body lock as well. That'd be awesome. Definitely, yeah. Yeah. So I won't take up too much more of your time, mate, but um, you've got Carlson Gracie Jr. coming down tonight, haven't you? Running a seminar at your place. Yeah, mate. Seven till nine tonight. So him and Dickie are coming tonight. Yeah. Where's he based then? Is he just based down in London or somewhere? Has he come from abroad or? No, he's he's, uh, he's at headquarters in Chicago. All oh, right. So I think what he does every now and then, he just comes to London because all the other Carlson Gracie gyms are down south. Right. So he he goes down south like for a full week and he just pops into them all. Um, I think we've messed it up a bit for him now because he has to get a train to all every month. <laughs> I don't imagine he's buzzing about that. Like, but Yeah. <laughs> that should be a good night. Then what, was he just going to run through some techniques and that and... Yeah, mate, it's gi as well. So, oh, right. yeah, it'd be good, mate. So I do, I do enjoy doing a bit of gi. I've not, I've not been doing as much recently because yeah, there's no gi at the moment. But yeah. you're gonna look at be putting some gi instructionals out at any point. I think Grapple Club were on about it, mate. Yeah, uh, I'd love to do it because I've genuinely got ten times more in gi than I have no gi. Like in terms of, like I'm definitely not a jujitsu wizard in the gi. But in terms of like judo style gripping, footwork, yeah, getting against the posture that people take in jujitsu. So like more or less judo for B for BJJ. Mm-hmm. I do I think I've got loads that I can give with the grips and the footwork and fighting against that posture where people are bent over and yeah, definitely. Iron into guard passion stuff. I think I've got a lot yeah. a lot of decent stuff for that. Won't see me doing much off my back, though. <laughs> well, that'd be awesome, though, to, to, yeah, to get some stand-up in the gear going on. Yeah, it'd be brilliant. Yeah. 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 Well, thank you for your time, mate. I appreciate you um, talking to us for nearly an hour now. Anyway, I know we said 45 minutes, but... Oh, that's um, fine, mate. Yeah, and we look forward to uh, seeing you on Sunday the 12th of June, I think it is. I think um, that's when it is, mate, yeah. Spot yeah. On. Brilliant. Cheers, Owen. Thanks for your time, mate. Cheers, Paul. See you. Cheers. Ta-da.